Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name's Phil, a mixing and mastering engineer with Vortis Sound Studios. Welcome once again to the podcast. This week I've got an interview with Stu and Luke, the guitarist and bassist of White Raven Down. It's a conversation about all sorts of things. It includes crazy stories from the road. There's a great one about a van. I won't say any more now. The future of the music industry and where they see it going, what needs to happen. And the time they won a battle of the bands without the entire band even realising it was a contest. Yeah. (laughs) Just a quick note to say, if you're not subscribed to the podcast and you listen regularly, please do subscribe. It really helps me work out who's listening and how many people and things like that. So please do subscribe. I won't waste any more of your time, so on with the interview. So today on the podcast, I am joined by Stu and Luke, the bass and guitars of White Raven Down. How are you? Hey. Hello. You both well? Yeah, yeah, all good, mate. Thanks. All good, all good. Got a bit of a cough, mine, but I'm all right. <laughs> Surviving. So my first question is, how did you, how did the band start? But then also, how did you both get into music in the first place? Double whammy. It predates me, doesn't it? It does, mate. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, okay, right. So uh, the very, very beginning, me and a friend of mine who also was a bass player, we decided that we, we wanted to put a, put a band together that had cool riffy songs, cool hooks, just a little bit, a little bit heavy, but not not you know not mega heavy by today's standards but had its roots in classic rock bluesy rock but was ultimately modern and that was really that was it you know that was the the blueprint of the band and uh we we went around auditioning loads and loads and loads of people eventually stumbled across a wicked singer that had some beautiful tones to his voice in uh, Will Taylor who unfortunately can't be with us here today. I'm sure he'll be uh, listening when the time is right for him and this goes out. And uh, our sound actually become a part of, like worked around him and his range and and the tones that he had. But also it went well with the sort of heaviness that we went for because we wanted to down tune a bit as well. How did it come together? A lot of hard work (laughs) and a lot of auditions. I should have started with that, shouldn't I? <laughs> uh, and then um, our uh, Lukey boy, he uh, he was the third member to be finalised and um, wicked find, wicked, wicked find that he was. That was a random website as well. A random website that I'd completely forgotten I'd put myself on. <laughs> yeah, and I called you out the blue. Yeah. Right? And then, uh, yeah, that's... That was that was it, and then we found Tom last. Uh, Tom's our drummer, again another freaking legend of a guy. We're lucky, you know. We got four guys whose personalities all fit together, which is the, the difficult parts of a band. It's not always the music; it's the the personalities and getting the lives to marry up and all the rest of it. But uh, I consider us very very lucky in the personnel that we have. Yeah, it, it can't be underestimated getting along as a band. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, Luke, how did you how did you get into music in the in the first place? What was your routine? Well, first thing that really got me into music, I'd say, was actually Meatloaf. The first album I bought when I was about six or seven, I think. Some um, Bat Hell Two. Oh wow! Which was a great album. I remember that coming out. <laughs> <laughs> that was tape as well, cassette tape. Who remembers cassette tapes? Love a cassette tape. <laughs> Yeah, from that, and then mostly just picking out bass on everything. Although I do like guitar, just never really stood out as much as bass did. So, well, you want to see this guy's hands, mate? Honestly, he couldn't he couldn't play guitar. I don't build them big enough for him. Honestly, <laughs> what about a baritone? You could play a baritone. I just like everything low. All the low ends. That's just me. So you you get together, you find your band members, and then. Do you have some songs or do you start writing them at that point? Because there was a sort of Mark One slash as the band was being put together, personnel, a couple of people come and went. So there were songs already in place when when you come on board, weren't there, mate? Yeah. 
And then you auditioned with uh, Broken Door, didn't you? And uh, Salvation, was it? Or was it? No, it was Take Me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I got to admit, there were several times, Phil, when I thought, Do you know what, we're never going to find freaking, you know, the personnel. I, I was. It's it's so hard. Yeah, it's so freaking hard to find the right kind of you know players, and especially for, for something which, for the band wise. I in particular was looking for certain roles, you know, especially with the bass. And Luke freaking embraced every freaking, he got it. He just understood it. He was the one guy that totally understood. I totally see where you're going with it. We are what you're going for. It's different. It's new. And in fairness, the people who watch this podcast, depending on when they, you know, whether our album's out, probably are not going to know what, we, what we're talking about until it's released because the new album is, you know, that's where it's all going to be heard for the first time in the studio. Well, that was everything that the album's built around the uh, this part of the sound as well. You mentioned the sound. It's a really interesting thing that you have a unique sound. I mean, I think a lot of bands do, don't get me wrong. But I think your your particular thing that I, I've heard is the, the, especially around the bass, is the bits when you've got, the bass sound of the bass, but then you've also got a, a guitar sound to the bass to to thicken it up. Is was that a new thing for you? Or was that something that you already did? It's completely new for me. Completely new. When Stu first said, I, was, it was, I think it was the first audition. Yeah. That I come down. I didn't. I didn't want to finish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, throw you in. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We. I've learnt the songs as requested, and he goes. Right, what I've got, what I'm thinking, <laughs> and that's usually where it starts with you. When I, what I was thinking was, I want to run it through this, through that, like this, like that, do it this way. Right, okay, no problem, Stu. Also, when I'm playing the solos, we're not losing this this beef behind everything. I was like, yeah, I see that one. Right, so what are we thinking? Right, try playing it like this, and we'll do this, and we'll throw these in there like that. Right, okay. Right, now let's get all the gear together. Get this massive pedal board, which <laughs> which, which you don't have with a bassist. You don't have a, a, a pedal board, which is virtually a suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we threw it in, and then we got all the amps together, and we started playing it, and it just just fit. <laughs> It was just something just went so right with it when we started doing them. And then, as we said, the, the album is it's a lot bigger part in it because Stu can go that extra bit wild where he needs to and I can hold it behind for him. Just doing, just being able to, like, mate, we have worked so blooming hard on the, on this sound and, and it, we haven't really sort of perfected it live until just before this lockdown, have we, really? Because when you're touring and you're, and you're playing with different sound engineers every show and we get 15 minutes changeover, you're like, what? <laughs> we have really worked hard and streamlined it down, but we feel like we've got there now, don't we? Yeah. And, uh, and just the fact that Luke was prepared, was open to it and sort of understood where we were coming from. There you go. We're straight back to personalities again, aren't we? Straight there, you know, because... I, you couldn't. I couldn't say that to most people. I couldn't say, "Look, I've got this idea. This is what I'm thinking," and I couldn't do it. Most most bass players would tell me where to go, and, and a lot of them did. <laughs> <laughs> but by doing so, they weren't the right people. But Luke got it. Luke understood, and, and Luke has got the most beautiful Rickenbacker bass, and he plays it through this superb. Freaking orange bass cab that now he's playing blooming guitar, guitar part, a guitar sound through it as well. And just to throw it in there as well, we've got some organ parts going through there, all being played on <laughs> yep. the bass as well. There ain't many people doing that out there with a bass. So that's why it's a complicated setup. Well, our stage setup is, as you're saying, with the, um, it's supposed to be a 15 minute turnaround, times you get. And we've got four amps on stage. <laughs> and we have to get all of the stuff off, get it all on. It's so tight, so tight. For two for two guitar players, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 
have you perfected your setup? Because I think it's one of the the biggest things about gigging and also about being asked back to venues is not taking up more time than you should be for setting up and setting down. So have you perfected that? I think we're we're at a point now where it's at the edge of perfection. I don't think we'll ever reach <laughs> reach pure perfection because that's well what we we all aim for, isn't it? But we've got it. We've got it down quick. But there's there's a lot of cables, and they're all they're all color coded. That's a good idea, actually. As well, so we can just go right, bam, 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 get everything whacked in. Right, is it working? Thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> and in fairness, even when the sound was evolving, and as we were, as this whole thing was growing, the um, we we never not got invited back to a place. So we never. Never upset anyone by taking too long, but now, right now, the way we're sitting, just be, you know, just before lockdown, so just before the previous lockdown, we had it down to a T, didn't we? And we've we've worked really, really hard concentrating on our sound, and uh, yeah, can't wait to get back out there and uh, let people hear it again because uh, it's been refined and sounding better than ever. Taking a step back a minute, your your very first gig as a band. What was it like? <laughs> Did it go well? Didn't it go well? What what happened? With this lineup? Yeah. It was in Basildon, wasn't it? That was the edge. The edge. Wasn't it? Yeah. it was the edge in Basildon. And that's where it was it's an odd place because it's a really cool place to go to for every every Thursday they do unsigned night and there's loads of local bands and they're all great. But we um turned up as you do and it's like this this kind of wine bar looking place. It's not like a rock venue at all, is it? (laughs) And it's one of those ones where it's all set up in the little corner and we don't really run everything for a PA there. There's only the vocal and the bass drum, I think, that went through the PA. Everything else was amps. We used electric kit. We did, yes. No, yeah, we did. So it was a whole drum kit. Yeah. The whole drum kit went through the PA. It was an interesting one. (laughs) It's what I can say. It was an interesting night being the first time we've really, really done it live together. From my point of view, the personnel ability has never been in question. The, the things that we had to sort of get right was more the setup and how we were going to make things work and the approach to it all. Because ultimately, we're all, we're all heavy rockers. You know, we all, we all love our heavy music. But we, do, we just wanted to make it sound a little bit different and and have our own identifying sound. And um, so what we experimented with, with the very early days, when Tom come on board, he had an electric drum kit, which I will add, sounds amazing. Uh, Roland TD30. Yeah, it, it was incredible. When we first heard that he was on an electric drum kit, we'd done what everyone else done and went, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. But but then we heard it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, right, we like this, right. And then we so we tried it for a few shows, didn't we? And what did we try it for? Five, six? I think so, yeah. Yeah, five, six local shows, just so we gave it a real good opportunity to see if we could make it work. Ultimately, we didn't. It was our people that were coming to see us, they were like, I love it. I love, I love the songs. I love, I love everything you got going on. But why? And, and they're like, why? Why are you? Why are you not using a real drum kit? Uh, because I mean, because it gave us so much, so many options. It gave us freaking all sorts of a, a different palette. But ultimately, the crowd preferred a real drum kit, and uh, you know, we eventually had to succumb to that. You know, we had to listen. We listen, basically. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that we went to we had a show in Stafford. Yeah. <laughs> and uh we went and picked up a brand spanking new drum kit from Colchester on the way to Stafford. And then when we got to Stafford, we are unwrapping the cellophane. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and, and the sound engineer and all the other bands were like, what are they doing? <laughs> uh do you remember that? Yeah, because we got the white raven down drum skin put on it. It's the first time that it's been even taken out of the wrapping. When we get it on stage, the sound guy comes up and goes, that hole's too small. What do you mean that hole's too small? And he's got one of these weird mics. They're a great mic, but they're like triangle. 
And it's like, yeah, it won't fit in there. What are you proposing? Mm, cutting it? No. <laughs> it's brand new. <laughs> We're not cutting it yet. 120 quid plus VAT. Freaking drum skin on the front. Freaking, you want a car in it? Are you mad? <laughs> and that was without the blooming, I mean, the rest of the drum kit. I mean, I don't know, it was about blooming 4K, wasn't it? I think. Mm, about I mean, that, yeah. We picked it up literally at, from the blooming store, and in fact, they lent us their blooming their kit bags. Do you remember? Because we didn't have all the blooming, not all the bags were available. Yeah, they hadn't come in yet. Yeah, so you know, talk about blooming cutting it fine. <laughs> uh, but then from Stafford, because that was one of the first shows that we travelled with, wasn't it? Yeah, it was and an early from, one. Then from Stafford, we played well because they opened a lot of doors for us, and we've been on the road ever since. To be honest. <laughs> When you think about it, it's freaking mental some of the stuff we've done. <laughs> so have there been any nightmare experience gigs where it all kind of went wrong? I mean, that would, that story with the new drum kit sounds interesting. Feel free to leave out names and leave it as anonymous as you wish, if it's that kind of story. The amount of times, because we are, 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 are set up, I say having the amount of amps that we do, it, it's easy for something to go wrong somewhere along the line. You've got the... Uh, the pedal chain that we do, it, it's so easy for something just to not be plugged in right or moved slightly. The amount of times I've gone up and gone, I, something, something's not coming out. It's that sound's not working right. Where, where have I, where have I gone wrong? And then you're trying to chase it through, and then you've got that 15 minute gap that you're trying to find out. Might just have to go. Or I had a head blow up. Didn't I? In um, yeah, yeah. Where was that? That was in South End, yeah. That was that was a panic. That was right before Hard Rock Hell, because if you remember, we had to get that repaired, and then on the way to Hard Rock Hell, we had to pick up your blooming head, yeah. and we didn't know if it was going to work. <laughs> You're always picking up stuff on the way to gigs, it seems. Yeah, that could be said we're playing all the time. We're trying to play all the time anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In fairness, you know, prior to the pandemic, we were playing all over the place, weren't we, and it was getting further and further afield, and... Uh, for a band that's trying to establish itself, if people offer you a show, you play it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and uh, we've just become the biggest yes band you've ever <laughs> you've ever seen. <laughs> Have you ever found yourself on a bill where you're like, I'm not sure we really stylistically fit? Oh, yeah, loads of them, yeah. <laughs> it goes to both extremes as well because people don't quite – because we're we're a low tuning band, low tuned. We do have heavy riffs. They go, I oh, will stick you with a load of metal bands. It's not quite there. <laughs> we're not a heavy band, you know. We're not we're not a heavy heavy band anyway. Or getting thrown with some indie bands. Oh, yes, that's, that's another extreme. It's like we're we're way too heavy for these guys. And then people are like, we don't really know where to fit you. Let's let's see if we can try this instead. <laughs> That was a difficulty, actually, because I was pitching us to, you know, promoters and that. It's, um, you know, I got a lot of doors slammed in our faces, still do, because they don't know who to put us with. Well, fair enough, I get it. You know, promoters, they, they need to get bodies through the door. Um, it proved difficult. I just wanted to go back to another question of yours. Do you remember Rock and Blues Festival? When we played, we played that. And we were the first band on of the second day, yeah. yeah. And the heavens opened. <laughs> like this is an outdoor stage, right? It didn't just open, right? They were sweeping the water off the stage wow. as we're playing. <laughs> and of course, we've got all this electrical equipment around. Quite expensive as well. <laughs> oh, God, do you remember? Yeah. It was, it was mental. It was absolutely mental. And then, right, because it was halfway up a hill. Uh, honestly, this gets better. This gets better. <laughs> once we whacked all of this, once we finished, and everyone who, who was there really enjoyed it. So then we had to get all the gear off, then move the back of the van at the back of the stage, park it up somewhere, and then come back and we're, you know, going to socialise with, with the crowd that saw us. Uh, well, all of that gear makes the back of the van very, very heavy. But we had so much rain, right, that the, the hill become a, like a mudslide. Ah. So I'm, I'm trying to find the car park, which they told me to park in, halfway up this hill. I start turning right, 
I'm turning right. The the wheels are turning right, but the van's carrying straight on down the blooming hill. <laughs> Uh, and then I end up hitting another car uh. and a barrier. <laughs> uh, and then, if I remember correctly, we had a, a show to get back to that night. <laughs> I didn't know whether we were going to make it. <laughs> I mean, that's fairly dramatic as they go. I'll give you that. When we got got back to the other set, the other the evening show, we were supporting a tribute band, and we're like, we're like, you're not going to believe what's <laughs> happened to us today, you know. And we started telling this, and like people were like, oh yeah, whatever. Rubbish! Rob, we don't believe you. Like that is the truth. It's so spinal tap. I, I, I'm surprised I didn't get a blooming insurance claim off that one. But that that lovely, lovely lady let us off. Yeah, she had a Land Rover Discovery, and we had a Vauxhall van. We come off worse. <laughs> <laughs> Moving, I guess, a bit behind the scenes of the band. How is the band managed? Do you share out tasks, or is there sort of a a single point person who's in control, for want of a better phrase? There's obviously there's loads to do in a band. We usually try and all chip in to a bit of everything. I will say that our driving force is Stu. He's, he's a huge driving force. Yeah, he's got a fantastic mind for these sorts of things. He's like, right, we need to do this, do this, do this, do this. And he plans everything out in his head absolutely perfectly. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> but there's always hitches somewhere. So Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty good at organising stuff and Bit of bit of vision, yeah, and uh, and I'm pretty good at delegating to. <laughs> Not always, <laughs> but <laughs> I think that you're right. That is an important part of it because if you have four of you working on different tasks at the same time, you can get so much more done as a band than if there's just one person doing everything. Yeah. Do you find that the business of a band, of being in a band, is almost as important as the creativity of being in a band or do, do they sit equal or do they sit kind of differently to you ultimately if you're a band you've got to have the songs ultimately that is the, yeah. the you know you you could be the best business mind you could be bill gates but if you're singing freaking a lot of rubbish then it ain't, it's not going to go anywhere it depends if you're a pop band <laughs> well yeah because you've got that magical fifth the third and then back to the fifth yeah. musically which is like whoa whoa which is so common everyone loves it everyone knows it everyone loves it instantly the millennial whoop it's called yes exactly exactly the millennial whoop yeah that's that's where it's so common and everyone knows it everyone loves it it makes it very hard for other bands it's trying to push things in a bit of a different direction so if, if you've got a model like that that works, then fantastic. But obviously, we've got to look at it at both angles, trying to come up with the music, trying to look at it as a business. And the business is the hardest thing because we're not, well, I, I'm not business-minded personally. I, I like to think about the music, but you have to. Because otherwise, you, if you want to make a real career and a real push and really get there, you have to look at both. I'd say, especially at grassroots level, you've got to have you've got to have your eye on both because as you grow, more and more people become involved. So I'm told. <laughs> there's there's more things to, to to look at as as you grow, but um, grassroots, yeah, you've got to, to self manage to to concentrate as much on the music as what it deserves to. I mean, look at look what we've done. You know, like. Within two years, oh my, what are we thinking? When that? When was that EP come out? Um, June, wasn't it? June twenty eighteen. It was twenty eighteen. Yeah, it'd be the third anniversary of it coming up. Eighteen to twenty months, our, our music has sort of been available, but then a year of it has been, in, you know, or coming up for a year of it has been in a pandemic. You know, those first five songs. You know, bearing in mind we've only released five songs. <laughs> and we've blooming milked those blooming five songs, mate. My God. <laughs> yeah. We've done all right. We've done all right out of five songs, you know. I consider ourselves very, very lucky, very fortunate, but we've had to work really, really hard for every single slot we've ever got. Yeah, you know, nothing, nothing's given you to you for free these days, is it? So, um, yeah, that's it, mate. That is it. <laughs> That's how I see things. Working out as you go along, in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do, yeah. And, and the music industry isn't isn't easy at all. <laughs> it's constantly evolving, isn't it? Yeah. If, if we can come up with a blooming, 
you know, I'm not just talking about grassroots level here, I'm talking about the artist. If the artist can be supported with uh, the streaming services, then um, you're talking about a different industry because you've got to support the artist. The money has got to go back to the, the creative element. Otherwise, we will seriously have issues. And I think we're already, people are starting to realise that now, you know, it's been, streaming's been a thing now for what, 10 years. And uh, people were going, oh, I'm bored of seeing X and X headliner. I've seen them at this festival, that festival and all that. Well, we've only got ourselves to blame because labels are not investing money into bands anymore because they're not getting a return. So they're only going to, I mean, and this is it. This is where it's so wrong. Look at the film industry, another form of um, art, and yet to, to stream a film, you're charged considerably in comparison to music. And um, we need to sort that out. I think that's the next thing that the music industry is going to try and work out one way or another, if that's a new breakout streaming service or some other form of development. I think that's going to be the next big thing. It's got to, otherwise the bands just can't survive. The bands who already had a a fan base prior to streaming services, they're okay. They will always be okay. It's more difficult for them and they're not earning the royalties that they used to, but they'll always have a fan base because we all hold music dear to our hearts. Unless some of the majors start investing in in bands, and I'm not talking about, oh, yeah, we'll finance your next single. We're talking about serious investment, you know, like an album, two-album deal. Or even blooming three album deals. If give a band a blooming opportunity. If they if they put out three three albums and they don't go anywhere, fair or right, you know that's a fair crack of the whip. But not talking about oh here's one single oh didn't get anywhere, drop ya. Who knows? Who knows? I think the you're right because the the rock and metal scene as a whole is starting to approach a real crossroads where the quote unquote big bands of ye old days starting to not be around anymore so you've obviously eddie van halen has died a few months ago and that was a big blow you've got ozzy osbourne who is it's very much not well it seems and you've got you've got bands like iron maiden who are still around but they're they're not young <laughs> putting it brutally they're gonna there's gonna be a day when they're no longer around and when you get bands of that sort of tier who stop headlining especially like big festivals there's gonna have to be a point where the newer bands get pulled up. And it's what what quite happens at that point is the big question. I think no one quite knows. It's concerning because there's the whole art of putting on a big, blooming, big production performance is an art. You don't just, you know, you don't just, oh, okay, here we go. Plug in. Here's your 15 minutes, mate, you know. There's <laughs> blooming, there is an entire crew working to cues. And that has to be rehearsed just as much as the blooming musicians. You know, you'll, you'll lose the art form of, of a, putting on a big production if we're not careful. Uh, but yeah, something's got to happen. Streaming is where it needs to change. Just my opinion. And I appreciate I'm no one. Well, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Very humble. Humble point. Moving over to the recording side of the band, how do you approach that? So obviously some people have home studios and they do it that way. Some people go into the recording studio. What's what's your approach towards that? That studio right there. That studio sitting in at the minute. While I'm sat in. <laughs> That's where uh, I do my recording at studios at the minute. I'll go around to there. We go into the studio for the vocal and most of the guitar parts. I'd say the rehearsal is where the, the song is is fleshed out on it. Yeah. Uh, it's probably the initial ideas, again, in this studio where I am. I'm in, I'm in my home studio, by the way. So the, the uh, demos are generally done here, um, sent off to the rest of the band. Everyone has an input. We'll go into the re uh, recording studio, sorry, into the rehearsal studio. We'll tweak things how we want it as a band. The recording process will start with Tom, our drummer, at his studio. It'll probably come to me first, then I will put the guitars down. Some some of that will be in this studio. Other parts will be in, in, in another studio so we can crank it, 
Should we think we have a bit of a love for volume? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Luke says he'd come around here, do the bass round round here at my, my place, and uh, and we go into a studio to do vocals. So it's a bit of a blend of things. Yeah, yeah, and then it's um, and then it's all off for mixing. What made you choose that kind of hybrid approach? So obviously for some people it's a, a creative decision. So when you're in your home studio, you have all the time you need without the financial kind of pressure. For other people, it's a, a brutally honest financial decision. But what's what's your approach to that? A bit of both. Personally, I, I enjoy both. I do enjoy going into a studio. I don't like sitting in the control room and then recording. I would rather be in the same room as my cabs. Where the volume is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just my opinion. You know, it's just, I just, I like to feel it because it gets you in a zone. I like that. At the same time, I do like being at home and then trying different bits and pieces out. But yeah, of course, we are a grassroots band and finance. You know, we've got to be careful. We've got to watch the pennies, you know. Money, money saved is is you know penny saved is penny earned and all that. Plus, it goes into we save money on recording, and that can go into merchandise where we make more money. So, admittedly, these days, again, going back to how the music industry seems to be set up, is uh, we're not a band. We we write jingles for a clothing line. Just happens to be our clothing line (laughs) (laughs) and our jingles. We also sell plectrums. And balloons. And yeah. <laughs> you sell balloons? I did not know that. Yeah, we've got balloons. Fair. Covering all bases. Go out with a bang. You just need to sell condoms next. That's the next frontier. I've put that forward. No one liked the idea. <laughs> <laughs> You're going in the direction of Kiss. You're going to do everything, including like coffins. and. <laughs> if it keeps us going, it keeps us going. <laughs> if someone buys it. To be fair, literally yesterday... One of our followers, she got uh, our band logo tattooed on her leg. That's a big moment. That is. That's the first one. You know, I was like, fair play to you. That's that's the ultimate it compliment. It is quite a compliment. Is it a weird feeling, though, when someone's gone, I like your music so much, I'm going to have a tattoo forever? I was gobsmacked, mate. I've got to be honest. I was like, wow, that's incredible. Never, I never thought for one minute that would ever happen. That's amazing. And again, five songs. <laughs> With an album on the way at some point in the future. Yes. The next lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, don't, don't say that. <laughs> yeah. The last approaching a year has been a bizarre time for everyone involved, especially those in bands. I think that's an obvious thing to say. So what have you been doing as a band to stay productive or even as individuals to stay productive? Well, on a personal level, I've been, see, we all, we all work as well. We've got our day jobs because we have to do, like, pay our bills and everything and obviously fund the band. I've been trying to pick up for at least minimum half an hour a day just to pick up and play, just to keep it rolling. So it's still a nice little thing going. You've still got juices flowing, as they say. And when you're working 12, 13, 14 hours a day, it gets really hard, but y- you've got to. I mean, we're very fortunate in lockdown. We got approached quite a few people to be involved in different things. We had several sort of live stream, or say live streams that for us, they were pre-recorded only because just logistics, you know, how, you know, the first rehearsal we did after lockdown, we were asked to do a live performance. I mean, packed our pants, you know, you know. <laughs> We hadn't played together for five months. Yeah, that was a bit nerve-wracking. And that was still played just a few weeks ago. We didn't think it was going to – we didn't think we were going to get as much out of it as what we did. People have, have really complimented us on yeah, it. Yeah, have had a great so, response. We, we did finish it. We do what we always do because we're our, our own worst enemy when we come to it. Each came out going, no, I feel like that went absolutely rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But – we were short on time and, and we did the best we could with, with what we had and people really enjoyed it. So 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 that was that was fortunate for us. We had that, we got asked to do some acoustic performances, which we did. So I was doing some adapting our our, our songs acoustically. 
uh, and making more like a sort of a, a, a an MTV unplugged sort of vibe thing, you know. Will, his dad has got some recording equipment at home, so he I was able to send, you know, the adaptions to him. He'd done them, uh, and then there was a period when for a, a few weeks we were allowed to mix again, weren't there? Yeah. So then, you 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 know, you come around mine, didn't you? Put some bass to, to some, and Tom put some bongos to some stuff as well. So we managed to – there was, a, there was a, a window there where we managed to get some stuff down, and, and the, the acoustic stuff that we did got some heavy play on the Guy B Rock Show, which was great music stories. It went down a storm. So surprised because literally again a few weeks ago, we got voted number five band of the year, but by their listeners, you know, which was nuts. Did you feel like you got to the end of the year and gone? But what have we done to deserve that? <laughs> yeah, well, but then again, it's so. Yes, we've been recording the um, acoustic stuff. We were involved. Will was involved in a charity single for the NHS. The album has been seriously keeping us on our toes because, again, Spinal Tap, they ain't got nothing on <laughs> White Raven down. <laughs> well, we are the masters of Sod's Law. <laughs> yeah, we're a joke sometimes, the stuff that goes wrong for us. You can't you can't write some of the stuff that's gone wrong for us. Uh, but here we are. We're, we're really on top of it all now. And um, we've got one song left to record, which I cannot freaking wait. To blooming to get recording this one. Uh, in fact, I don't know about you, Luke, but I am really, really, really excited about getting this album out because we've worked so hard, so hard, and we're we're super proud of it, aren't we? Yeah, because there's there's, there's things in it which we're like, hopefully they're unexpected in a sense. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a big question mark. Are people going to get this? <laughs> Depends. Is there is there like an easy listening lounge section? <laughs> that would be unexpected. Well, you, you never know. <laughs> maybe, maybe a spot of atonal jazz, you know, throw it in. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> you can answer this question individually because you might have a different definition of it, but what's been your biggest success of the band so far? The moment or moments where you kind of go, that was amazing, that's just the best thing? We, we've both got the same answer for this. I can guarantee <laughs> we've both got the same answer. And it's, it's going to be Giants of Rock when we play Giants of Rock. And I didn't know that it was like a, a Battle of the Bands thing. Didn't know at all. Did you not? Did not know <laughs> at all. So we were playing away as we do, going absolutely nuts and enjoying it. And it was it was ram 500, 550 people in there. And it was a great show. Great show. Absolutely packed. And we come off and we're like, I oh, really enjoyed that one. That was so much fun. as we usually do because we love it. <laughs> and Shu turns around. I think you turned around, or was it Bill? Turned around and goes, "Oh yeah, it's competition." <laughs> what? Oh right. Oh yeah, it's, it's it's to uh, play the main stage next year. Really? Oh, okay, okay. So we're meandering around as you do. I grab something to eat, watch some more bands, and having a drink. And uh comes to the end of the night, and I think I was, I can't remember who I was chatting to, I think it was Verity. Oh, yeah. At the time, chatting away, Katie comes up, taps me on the shoulder. Have you heard? Heard what? <laughs> you won! <laughs> I did swear. <laughs> <laughs> and it was in the uh, in the sense of go forth and multiplier. We never win anything, ever. We We just don't win anything. So we were utterly shocked and amazed and we got the spot to open the main stage and that is i think our biggest thing so far to put it into perspective like giants of rock is um is a weekend in uh minehead at the butlins there right that is it's a it's a quality weekend they have some wicked bands there wicked wicked bands there big names don't they as well some big names play hawkwind yeah they are you know, for a heavy rock fan, I don't get much bigger than, than that, do they? <laughs> Let's be honest. And then um, to win a spot to open the blooming main stage on the opening night, us. What? <laughs> it don't happen. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen to us. It's a great time. So eight o'clock. Eight o'clock we're on stage, I think it was. Yeah. You know, we're a heavy rock band from blooming Essex, right? 
there is there is not an audience for what we do where we're from. It doesn't happen. And this stuff just doesn't happen to us. And and it did. It was for me personally, because as Luke said, like I'm the driving force behind the band, you know. I get the door slammed in my face a lot more often than, you know, some of the other guys realise in the band. And you end up blooming, you can't take it to heart because if you did, you wouldn't go, <laughs> you wouldn't go anywhere. But I've had that, that door slammed in my face so much of uh, people saying no. And then when we played in front of this mobbed blooming crowd and they were all, uh, and there's times, you know, they're singing our own songs back at us. And I was just stood there on the stage like, wow. And then when they turned around and said that we've freaking gone through, mate, I freaking, I couldn't believe it. I just wanted to get so drunk. It was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. Wasn't it? it just was yeah. an amazing, amazing night. That is a good moment. My final question is looking to the future. So what are your goals for the band for the next, say, six months to a year's time? Six months is to play a show, any show. We'll play play someone's living room. <laughs> I sadly think that's quite a realistic goal. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I really do. We had a we had a real busy summer booked for 2020, and so far, all of them of 2021 have rescheduled and kept us on their lineups. So first things first is that we need to go and smash those performances. And we can't wait to do that. But it's gonna be it's gonna be brilliant catching up with people in whatever, you know, whatever happens, whatever happens post lockdown, whether it's a, a, a gradual thing or a socially distant thing, whatever. It's just gonna be amazing seeing people. It's gonna be amazing performing because I personally think people are gonna get some great performances out of bands because I mean we've we put on quite a, 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 a you know an energetic show. Anyway, I think those first few they're going to get they're going to get their money's worth. You know? <laughs> so I think they're going to people are going to get a blooming great great performance and for, from a lot of bands. Oh, it's be brilliant! Can't wait to get back out there and do it. But um, we've also just moved over to Roulette Records as well. We're about to. Um, do a, um, an album deal. They're going to release our album for us. I mean, we've still got some mixing to do. They, they've only heard very, very limited. We're, we're going we're to go and um, catch up with them in their offices as soon as we're able to do so safely. And I'm curious as to go see what their reaction is. He's going to oh, my God, what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> or whether they're going to be enthusiastic about it. Well, we're enthusiastic about yeah, it. Yeah, we are. We are. We're, we're really enjoying what's going on. And we we think, personally, we think it's better than what the EP was. You have to wait for people to hear it. There's some lights and shade, you know, light and shade. Yeah, just can't wait to see. I'm excited and very nervous to see what people make of it. So lot of time. There's one, one more song. One more song to record. Record. Yeah. And they're, they're all done, all recorded. Yeah. Big moment. And I mean, and a lot of them are 70 to 80% mixed as well. So maybe a bit more. So we're going to have a finished album by by February. So as as this podcast goes out in January, we're recording this in December, so anyone, everyone knows, that's only like a month away, which is, might be a weird moment. You know, we've got some... There's some proggy moments in there. There's some real direct moments. There's an acoustic track. There's some darkness and there's some lightness and there's some heaviness and there's some grooviness. There's something for everyone. Yeah, yeah. It's the embodiment of us, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But ultimately it's us and it's it's our influences. I mean, look, you have the big proggy influence in the band, didn't you? Yeah, that's that's my fault. That's 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 rush. <laughs> thought it would be <laughs> tom his background is metal and it like proper metal but when you blend that with see i'm i'm a out and out riff guy but groovy riffs so you know that's the sort of things that i'm really into and then with bill's vocals who are he listens to some freaking weird stuff i'll tell you his playlist is nearly as weird as what my playlist on my phone's like and i've got kids 
<laughs> but then you put it all into this big cauldron and then it comes out right raven down, you know, and uh, it's crazy how it all works, really. But the other good thing is, is that it's not, it's not a thought process. It comes out naturally. It's just who you are in musical form. And that's the other thing, isn't it? You've you got to be true. You've got to be true to yourselves and you've got, you got to be real because if it ain't real, it hasn't got any soul. No soul, no point in playing music. There you go. That, that should be a T-shirt. <laughs> to close out the podcast, I'd love to ask you what your favourite song is and why so that we can play it. Go on, Stu. Tell us your favourite. <laughs> it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. I personally think a good starting point for anyone that's been introduced to our music is, is probably Take Me or Salvation. <laughs> <laughs> or, or even Not Alone. Not Alone, I'd say, you know, see, get this, right? Romesh Dodengoda, the, the producer who's worked with Motorhead, Bullet for My Valentine and Bumith Horizon, he agreed to work in with us. Four guys from Essex where there's no audience for heavy rock in the UK. <laughs> that's, that's not entirely true. It's five. Five people. <laughs> you know, and he agreed to work with us. And he did a remix on... Um, on our song Not Alone. I think he did a brilliant job and he gave us a bit of focus on how we should be sounding for a professional release. So that's a good that's a good example of the sonics of where this album's going to come from, I think. Well, I'd say favourite one-wise, favourite, it's got to be Broken Door. Just because... Live, love it. Yeah. Live, love it. Because it's, it, it's the meandering that we go in that song. Storytelling. And then a, a good punch at the end it's just great but i will agree great introduction to us is is take me so we'll play take me you know cool is, is that okay. should we do take me yeah let's do, let's do, let's do take me so do take for me. anyone who's curious about the other songs mentioned go and find go and discover the music for yourself but for now this is white raven down with take me guys it's been really good to chat to you it's been a pleasure thank you very much thanks for having us mate